welcome to Loving in Your Garden with me, Rod Whiting, group founder, and our regular horticulturist, John Sterling. Evening, John. Evening, Rod. I can't believe it. It's dark outside. What's going yes. on? God, I know. This is me. the first. I think this is the first time I haven't shut the curtains. No, that's it now, isn't it? All right. Well, <laughs> um, before we meet our guest, because we do have a guest yes. this week, uh, let me thank uh, our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. And we are graced with a guest this week, someone, uh, John, that uh, we met at Beaver Castle Flower and Garden Show during that heat wave in july yes amazing i can remember it rod yes it was warm it was was ridiculous (laughs) okay well let's say hello to michelle mcdonald hello michelle hello hello thank you for having me hello hello john nice to see you again i'm really grateful for you inviting me on to your onto your show thank you very much oh no listen we're grateful to have you thank you for your time tell us a little bit uh, briefly about yourself and and your background so we uh, we can get a better idea of where you're coming from right well i grew up with normal family life went to university to study music and i became a teacher and um semi-professional musician so lots of playing lots of accompanying I don't like to be the star of the show so it's quite daunting being on this I love accompanying and being in the background and um quite often I play um the organ so I'll be upstairs in an organ loft completely hidden so that's my favorite place to be but um as I got older I found as a teacher that pupils were finding it harder to practice and progress and um, you know they would get to an interesting point and then suddenly exams would kick in and they would either give up or they would stop progressing and I really wanted to get back in touch with with my garden so I did a small design course an evening course because my own garden when we'd moved around with my husband's job our own house had gone back to grass. Everything had died and the only things left were the oak tree at the bottom and the hedges along the side and the grass. So I wanted to do something to bring it back to life and did a short course. And it was so interesting and inspiring. Um, and as I say, the music was just becoming a little bit it had been awkward, really, and I wanted a change. So I went off and did a proper diploma. I was very lucky that I could afford to be able to do that. And um yeah, and, the, and and here I am. And I entered um, Beaver because um, I didn't have a lot of work on and it was a, looked a really friendly show, which it was. And it wasn't too huge a task. It was a fairly small garden. So it was manageable. Can I just, uh, just quickly, can I just ask, how did yeah. you find doing that small square? Is it, is it easier or is it um, harder than well? It's not easier. No, it seems easier. Um, and perhaps it depends on your concept. What What's the idea behind it? Um, because yes. depending on your concept, that small size will be an advantage or a disadvantage. And I don't know. I don't know whether I felt it was. I knew what I wanted. I'd seen the advert and I'd seen the pictures of previous years, everybody in sun hats, big, big blue skies, great big hot field. And actually, at that time of year, all I normally want to do is creep under a long, long, shady (laughs) bower. And so that was kind of what I needed to create. And I I wasn't thinking about a lot of the environmental messages. I was just needed like I wanted to create a little water garden, really. But that was just unachievable in terms of cost. So it needed to be quiet. and, And in a way that the kind of escape from everything became part of the concept a bit later on should yes. just sorry to interrupt but i should just explain yes. that uh that you won 
the uh, you won the prize for the for your show garden at uh, Beaver Castle, and David Stevens uh, presented the prize. Uh, David yeah. Stevens, a, fr- a friend of the of Loving Your Garden, um, mm-hmm. one of the great designers uh, from uh, not just this country but across yeah, yeah. Uh, well, internationally as well. And we are going to talk primarily, but not com- not exclusively about about mm. small gardens because i mean mm. that that was that was the challenge that you had to meet but i think also you, there's plenty of uh, of knowledge that you can impart about how to get the best out of a small garden so should we talk about planning and and how you actually mm. approach these these things yes planning i mean it's not choosing your plants as a as a designer obviously the first thing you want to do is is work out how the space is going to function and um, in this little garden where I wanted to have an escape from everything, I wanted somewhere to sit. I wanted somewhere to be sheltered. Um, and I decided to put uh, some trellis at the back. And I mean, obviously, when your drawing's just a line on the page. And I wanted to have a tree sort of sheltering me over the top from this heat. And we certainly had lots of heat. Um, so that was the idea. And then to slow you down kind of help create a slower pace of everything I wanted my I'd needed steps to get to this little sitting place and I wanted them not to go in a straight line I wanted them to go in a slightly wiggly line and although in themselves they were just squares I offset them so that you couldn't walk in a straight line you had to go in a curvy manner and that automatically slows you down and when I was drawing it I I looked at different ways of approaching it because there is never one way um but the one that worked for me personally was to go across the diagonal and and David Mm. Stevens was very kind and and saying that that had helped make the best use of the space because the diagonal is the longest line across a a garden if you Mm. like or a space and so so that worked really well and it allowed me to have three and a half steps across that small show garden space obviously you can extend it in your own garden well, we're going to see an example of, of what we're talking about here. And I think it, for me, um, I was absolutely blown away by it, Michelle, because it, it oh, demonstrated perfectly how the size of the garden is, 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 is not as key as we think it is. When we, I mean, I, I've got a small garden here and, uh, and I always feel, oh, I wish I had such a much bigger garden. But of course, that would just create more expense and a much bigger headache. <laughs> and more work, um, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, but when you actually realise what you can do with a really limited space, Mm-hmm. Um, so shall we shall we get some pictures up? Yeah, yes. you can talk us through it. So here's your plan. So if you can see, there are two sets of trellis along the left hand side, and then the top, and then it kind of wiggled around. This is my initial plan, and there were a few tweaks along the way, and that's what gardening is all about. You have yes. to make changes to accommodate limitations. So initially, I wanted to have a, a multi-stem tree because they create a wider canopy than a than a, um, a standard tree. I wanted a multi-stem tree behind behind the sitting place. But as I approached the uh, actual show itself, it was a no-dig show. It was a historic ground, so we couldn't go into the ground like you can at some of the big shows like Malvern or Chelsea. So um, I suddenly realised, I'll just go back a bit, I was volunteering on a plant nursery and they did a lot of trees and you you lose your sense of scale. One tree is is has got its particular size, but it also came with a massive root ball. And I was suddenly realised two things. I couldn't move these huge trees, which I was kind of fondly in my mind I was playing with. 
And um, and so so I had I needed to accommodate this big root ball, and I couldn't dig it into the ground either. So it was going to make a hillock or a hummock. So in the end, if you can see on the plan, there's a shrub on the bottom left, and that was all part of the enclosure of the site. But also, it was going to be low enough to allow visitors to look over. So in the end, the tree ended up in that front corner. And so uh, because I was facing south, luckily, that also cast shade. I mean, obviously, the sun was very rude and it moved around. So, <laughs> so, the shade was so, so, I, so I did put in the end, I put the tree at the front and, and some of the trellis was a little bit smaller than the original plan. But the rest is the rest is all as it was. Can you see that little circle that that represented? I just thought it would be nice to have a focal point, a little statue or a little something i mean it could be anything in one's own garden it could be a fountain yes. it could be uh, you know particular log or it could be something that sort of rises out and has a climber going over it but but in my garden it was a steel core it wasn't core 10 steel but it was a it was a steel structure thing to contemplate really and then i think the next photograph that you've got shows you that's the, yeah, that shows it, yeah. it as we built it so um, my my assistant, who is one of my best and oldest friends, and you can just about see the paving in there. It's I mean it's not got a huge wiggle in in the movement, and also the tree at the front left, which was a beautiful magnolia galaxy, beautiful. I mean it wasn't flowering because that was that's much earlier in the year. And then at the back right was another structural plant which I had just envisaged as an evergreen, but. Um, when I went to choose my plants on the nursery, there she was, beautiful Annabelle. Oh, fabulous. And I really thought, oh, she's just <laughs> wonderful. I'll, I'll have her. Yeah. I was very, very lucky to be sponsored in all my planting by by the nursery that I volunteer on, which is um, in Dorney in um, yeah. Buckinghamshire. Now you can see what we're saying when we say yeah. this is a small garden. <laughs> <laughs> but look, but, but, but what's fascinating about this is how it does develop into something really spectacular as we go on. So sorry, I, I, I just wanted to interject. No, no, but you can, you can see the structure there, but it's still very open. You know, the paving, you could walk in a straight line through that paving. Um, but my idea was to have it everything sort of nestled in and everything um, not overgrown, but grown over, if you like. So, mm, so you yeah. had to be careful not to bash everything as you walked past. And, and that made you slow down. So by the time you're actually sitting with your pint of beer or gin and tonic or cup of tea, as I had it, um, you were already beginning to calm down. So it was an escape from everything, an escape from every day, from noise and then from heat. And so I think the next picture will show we planted it up completely. Stunning. It was I was it was lucky with all my planting. So I had low planting near the stepping stones, if you like, and then it sort of tr I tried to graduate it so that they got taller and taller as they went away from the stepping stones. Um, so you were you were almost hidden in there. You couldn't really see the chair. Mm. You had to move around to see to see the chair at the back and the basket i mean if the garden had been there three years it would have been covered with um, climbers and ivy or something but uh, yeah. anyway in two days you can't you can't get a climber to go that high um but you can see the little metal structure it ended up becoming a kind of an s shape but that, yeah. that wasn't deliberate every time you design something and you begin to play around with it it kind of changes form and um if it if it represented anything that that little shape it was very tightly wound at the top and that represented if you like 
how tight you felt at the end of the working day. And if, you know, I imagined you walking around it and actually loosening up. And by the time you got to the bottom, it represented you heard of being calm in a hammock. I mean, you can read into it what you want or nothing at all. But um, that was the well, way the, I thought about this it. This journey, I mean, every good garden you know, has this, doesn't it? It mm. has this journey. Mm. Uh, oh. Which is not a straight path. Well, neither is life, is it? No, exactly. <laughs> but, but I mean, look, this is all created in less than two days, and oh. uh, I mean, yeah. it looks as though it's been there forever. It was well, very it heavily planted, um, and I say I, I could only do that because I was I had some sponsorship, if you like. Um, <laughs> and I remember um, John had an interview with you at the time, and he talked about how much one likes to plant up an area. I mean, I think if you planted that heavily in a in a in a real garden, you'd need a lot of a lot of um, compost to help nutrients. But it just gives you that an idea of of just how quickly you can tra- mm. transform a, a mm. part of you. If you imagine that as being a corner of your garden, maybe it's a problem mm. part of your garden. Maybe there's just nothing there, and if that's done in two days, and you know, budget is is not an issue. It's amazing how much you can do in a very short space of time and i just like to see small things creeping out from larger things so i had tiny little nine centimeter pots of erigeron for example that were kind of popped into gaps here and there um <laughs> so yeah it was lovely it was nice it was a great experience how, I was how important how important do you think it is michelle to have yeah. these structures the, these man-made structures within the garden well i i something i've only come across more recently I think it gives you something to focus on and it's a permanent thing um, which is gives you something to look on more in the winter because in that garden for example there's a lot of perennials and you might leave them there for the um, the birds and the insects over winter but you would cut them down at some point so I think as something solid helps you have something to focus on if you like. I think I wouldn't impose something on a client I mean it's important mm. for the client to choose something which is their own personal style. They yeah, might that's have exactly what David Stevens says. He did, he did say that, and it's absolutely right, because it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? Something that I like isn't necessarily what somebody else would like. And um, you'd have to have a long conversation with somebody to, to sort of elicit what they would love before you chose it yourself yeah um, so yes. no, i always say to a client yeah you choose that and here perhaps here are a few suggestions to start you off but the internet is a great place to go for inspiration yes uh, frank <laughs> w- would be lovely to start a garden totally from scratch instead of taking on somebody else's mistakes uh, maybe yes well. that is true that is true the, but the downside is that unless you have got an unlimited budget you you if you want some specimen plants to help build that lived-in long-term look immediately, that's very costly. So, yeah. yes, you might have to live with somebody else's mistakes, but you could take advantage of their more mature plants. Even if you uproot them and move them, you can still use them. And nowadays we are all thinking so closely about the environment and what is good and what shouldn't be done. Um, it's always good to reuse um, you can upcycle in, in my garden. We've got a lot of previous paving upcycled into aggregate and, um, a co- you know, what do they call it? Um, stuff that goes underneath your paving. Hardcore. Hardcore, that's <laughs> it. So, yeah, there are, lot, there are lots of ways to reuse, e- e- in a, even from an old garden. My gardener came in here 18 months ago, two enormous great silver birch trees, yeah. which 
So under there is bulbs because yep. there's nothing much you can do in summer. You make use of what's there. I'm not. There's That's no right. way I'm taking silver birch down oh, just no. to put something else in. And, yes. um, I, you have I, to get all the roots Those out. trees are fabulous to me. So I've I've worked around them, and yes. um, it's yeah. worked. Yeah. 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 Uh, see, I had exactly the opposite. Uh, when I got here, um, it, it was uh, an old lady used to live here, lived here for years. Of course, the garden had gone completely overgrown, and she had these enormous uh, conifers that are just completely screening the house. You couldn't see the house, <laughs> yeah, uh, the bungalow. Um, so I had to chop them down, and I literally did a year zero and just took everything out and started again including having to dig my way down to australia to get the footings out for various brick structures it was uh, it was a big mm. job big big job um well conifers they yeah. are they can be very thuggish can't they oh goodness yeah yes but okay. um and we, and we went through a period in the 70s where adrian bloom was showing fantastic conifers and things like that mm. and um no matter what they tell you, the, what they're going to the size, they're going to be in mm. ten years. They mm. usually end up five or six times bigger yeah. in twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, let's move away from beaver then. Mm. And uh, this is not a particularly small garden, um, but uh, you, I think there was something in here that you wanted to highlight. Yes. Well, actually, when you say this isn't a particularly small garden, I don't think anybody actually knows what is small. Nobody seems to. When I went on my proper design course, we did say to the um, tutor, what's a small garden? And he just kind of hedged his bets. (laughs) Small to one person might be quite medium and large to another. Um, This is my actually my mother's garden. And I took this picture this morning. Um, It's it's long, but it's it's quite narrow. narrow. Something like that. Anyway, this was their downsized garden and um, it's got lots of um two big plants actually they need a lot of pruning at the sides but my mother is an artist and an art therapist and at the bottom of the garden she had a you know um a cabin put in and i don't know if you can even see it there but yeah, a previous just. owner a previous owner had planted this exocorda the bride in the middle yeah. and yeah. it creates an amazing i mean i thought immediately was completely in the wrong place. It's right in the middle. You have to squiggle round to get round it. But actually, it's amazing because it creates two halves to the garden. And one of my other things in a small garden is using plants that will give you more than one season of interest. So this exocord has got beautiful, I'm sure people people know, beautiful white um, blossom in the spring. And then in the summer, it's got a nice mid-green soft oval uh, foliage and then in the autumn as you can see it's going yellowy and then in the winter it's got this amazing if it's a mature plant and an amazing bone structure if you like the next picture is a bit more close up and you can see the bone structure and it's really zigzaggy very pretty i did a talk the other day on winter flowers winter mm. winter garden color yeah yeah and um i love to see corners and things like that well, oh, obviously, you have to cut them back each year to get yeah. that lovely new colour. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I love it when they're pruned about 18 inches high and mm. the old stems get gnarled over the yeah. years. Yes. And it, it is wonderful. That's yeah. why I love, I bought this garden, basically, there's two old apple trees. And to mm. me, apple trees are one of the best trees for giving character you know, an apple tree in a garden gives mm. so much character. And mm. that has got its own character now. 
You've got Absolutely. me thinking now because John did a, a, a piece on winter plants a couple of weeks ago, and one he, he, he showed us one plant which I was I fell in love with it instantly, which was the uh, Malus red sentinel. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, this beautiful color that it goes uh, 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 come winter and yeah. autumn rather. And I'm wondering now because that's that's another showy plant, <laughs> isn't it? for all year round interest it is yeah it's got great that one has been topiarized if you like over years Mm. and years and years and Mm. um at the moment it's got its kind of it's had its growth for this year but uh, they pruned it quite hard into a lovely little dome but they i i don't know how they'd done the bottom but i think they pulled up the crown um and so you can see all this lovely zigzaggy knotted tangle of of um, branches so i sort of try and keep it in a dome and then you get the the white flowers spring out mm. afterwards. So, what sort of height are we talking there, roughly? That is about, um, a, well, when it's pruned, it's about the same height as me, so about five foot eight. Five foot, so yeah. It won't be more than six foot with that this year's growth on it. That would be quite good because uh, my only worry about the red sentinel is that it could go quite high. You're never going to find this, you're never going to find that perfect plant rod for. Because <laughs> you keep saying all these new ones. I know. I know. Perhaps in a small garden, you couldn't think about trees as such, but maybe um, a large shrub. Yeah, which is why I'm looking. Euonymus. At... Euonymus would be a good one. What's which one? Euonymus. Well, you could have the standard Europaeus, or you could have Alatus, which I, I gave you a picture Alatus of. Alatus, I've got. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I think they I... look fairly similar, but the Alatus has got these winter, well, the winter stems, the woody stems show this kind of winged appendage, if you like, yeah. on the on the uh, stems, which is different. I always like classic clothes with a bit of a twist. My only problem with Alata is it's quite bo- quite boring most of the year. It's only it really earns its place in the garden in autumn, doesn't it? That's when it in really the, comes in the autumn. Or- yes, but it, then it creates a nice backdrop for something else. True. And if you prune it upwards, you know, sort of take off the lower branches and create a mini tree. Um, you can spread it a little bit, and then you can plant other things underneath it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, um, hellebores. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, you hellebores. can put your hellebores under, and yeah. that that'll give them a bit of um, protection during the summer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Michelle. What was that other plant you mentioned? Oh, cyclamen. Cyclamen. Yeah, cyclamen. Hedrifolium. I was looking for. I bought some cyclamen today. I, I couldn't find the coom. I was gutted, John. Those were the spring ones, aren't they? The coom. Yeah. Coom, coom flower right the way through winter. Mm. Yeah, that's what if I wanted. Yeah, if you go to um, Ashwood Nurseries, if you're ever in Birmingham, Michelle, yeah. I don't know whether you've been to Ashwood. I have. Um, my parents live in Stourbridge, which is only 10 miles away. Oh, it was right. less than 10. Yeah, so they're yeah, well, we, went, we went one of the open days for his own garden. It's really worth it if anybody lives. Oh, near, yes. Ne- next to the ca- isn't that next to the canal? Yes, the canal yes, runs is, alongside and the garden. Yes. And, the, and there were the famous Harvington um, hybrids were developed. Yes. That's right, yeah. Where's yeah. that? Where are we talking about? Ashwood. Oh, yeah, the same Ashwood, place, yeah. Ashwood. Yeah. 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 Oh, There's yeah. Ashwood must... Nurseries, and then the chap who owns it has got a garden at the side of the mm. canal. I must look that's, that up. It, He has open days very, not very often, but it's really no. worth going, even in the off-season, because he's divided it into different areas as well, as you go around his buildings and then the nursery, greenhouses, etc., and then bounded by the canal. It's very, very interesting. He has a stumpery. Um, yes, which what? is really fascinating. <laughs> a stumpery. A stumpery is well. For example, when you've up up 
uprooted all of your conifers, you might have a very interesting root structure. So you just turn it upside down and have it as an inverted tree. Oh, and put plants in, in there. Put the plants in, yes. So it's, that, it's yeah. a bit prehistoric. Um, but there's there's good precedent for it because King Charles has one in his garden at Highgrove. And they get, a stumpery grows very well with ferns. Yes, yes, oh, yes. Wow. And it never gets out of hand. <laughs> oh very good i love it okay now this i was on holiday last week in florence and this was in the hotel garden where we were living now it wasn't a small garden but it's very applicable to small spaces because you you don't just want to think um horizontally i'm sure all of your followers know this already you want to use every single inch of space so here are two lovely climbers and they're evergreen but i think in the winter surely they must drop a few leaves and you can see the structure underneath this is i've forgotten solanum laxum which oh, is the ch- white ch- one potato yeah, potato yeah. Vine. Mm. yes so the white one is called solanum laxum there's a beautiful lavendery blue version as well which is solanum crispum crispum yeah glasnevin is its name but um mm. i mean if, if you're going to uh, search for it online you just put blue blue potato vine or white potato vine it's um and it's a bit it's a bit of a thug though is the is the is blue it? one i took mine out because they were getting too much for me oh gosh oh gosh yeah it's a bit of yes. a thug i like mean a wisteria. it's yeah. But if you've got a big garden, I have to be really careful because I've got a mm. small, smallish garden. Mm. Um, I, it, I've got to be careful. I don't let things take over completely. Yeah. Otherwise, it just uh, you know, mm. lose too much. Well, space. this one's this one's kept been kept in trim. That's lovely. But it is nice. It's nice that one. Yeah. You see, the walls of your garden, um, mm. Rod, can turn your small garden into a medium-sized garden. Absolutely that. <laughs> Absolutely that. Yeah. And if yeah. you're lucky enough to have accommodating neighbours, you can kind of what's called borrow their plant. You like borrow them. They yeah. make your yes. garden seem bigger, or as though it's only one section. I think if you've got a small garden, the temptation is to pack it with lots of small things, small plants, small plot, small pots. And sometimes that ch- just can make it look very fussy. And a, a good design trick actually is to to make a bit of a bold statement. So use some big architectural plants mm. and then you can fill in underneath and around with something of a different scale to bring it back down to human scale, if you like. But play with the scale of it. And these pots do that exactly Exactly. Well, they've, they've got lemons in them, lemon trees in them. That's but a really interesting, th- really interesting thought. I, I, yeah. I was just thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking, imagine putting those, um, I can't remember what they're called, the pencil conifers. The really yes, tall pencil ta- conifers. yes. Cypress, yeah. I can imagine a line of those in uh, in pots would look very impressive. They would look fantastic, yes. And they could also be positioned to take you around the garden, maybe. Mm. or to bounce so the, there are lots of things you can do in small gardens so you can play with scale yes. try and put in if if it's big enough to put in a pathway try and put a, a bend in it so that you can't just go from a to b if you want to get to your compost heap yes you want to go from a to b very quickly <laughs> but if you're journeying around the garden or if you want to persuade people to come around it's a really good idea if you've got the little the space to to put bends in your pathways you can put a focal point at the end of of one of your um stretches if you like that people will come to it to look at the focal point and then you say oh and there's another bit around the corner even if it's a small space and another little tip from an old gardener is um don't put it too close to your house because you'll take the brickwork out every time you go around it with a wheelbarrow (laughs) yes yes 
Well, it's always nice to soften the house with some planting, and that, that will keep your barrel away. <laughs> yeah. I've got a I've got an um, Acer palmatum dissectum in a Ooh. pot like mm. that. Mm. Uh, it's been there seventeen years, oh, and it's it? still looking yes, I love top that, dressed man. every year. I know yes. you do, Rod. Yeah. I love it, but I can't grow the blasted things. Oh, but in a pot you could. Is it because you don't have no, they're in No, they're in pots, but uh, I'm determined to, to be able to hack it. And I've, I've failed with two of them this year, but the other one I think is okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the other two will probably come back in the spring, but uh, yeah. I, I yeah. need to look after them better. I lost a lot this year because I'm on sand and they didn't get watered while I was A at Beaver and then on holiday after that. My plants got a lot decimated, but... I haven't given up hope and I planted an osmanthus that had been in a pot for four years while we were deciding whether we'd move or not and then we decided not so I finally stuck it in the ground in about May gave it a good old watering in and then a bit more after that and then left it and when I came back of course the whole thing was brown but it's it's growing again mm. it just will not give up so I'm I'm really <laughs> pleased and so don't give up on anything that looks brown yet um, I had the same with some perennials they went into hibernation early, but they were all still there underground, and, and they're coming back now. Um, yes. Okay. So, so there's always hope. Yeah. If, if you ever put a plant in, always give it a year first yeah. to uh, yeah. establish. Yeah. And yeah. Second year, very often they'll grow like nobody's business. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm I'm hoping you're right, John, with the uh, the the frilly knickers because the frilly oh. knickers <laughs> did not do well. Uh, they so. didn't. And they're supposed to be drought resilient. uh, Well, um, I'm hoping they're going to come back next year. We'll see. There's nothing (laughs) left of it at the moment. It's just disappeared. So I'm hoping it's it's going to come back up again in the spring. We'll see. Mine's just finished flowering. Oh, all right. Rub it in. Yeah, um, I will do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. This is uh, Amalantia. Mm. Yes. Is that the Lamarckii? That's Lamarckii, yes. That's an absolutely beautiful tree. And I've seen lots of them in um, multi-stem. And if you have a multi-stem version of a tree, it grows wider because obviously it's got more stems and they're all trying to find their space um, in the sun. So they keep pushing outwards and outwards. You've also got the beautiful winter structure of the stems at the bottom. And perhaps if you get it young enough, you can actually control where those stems, which then become branches, where they will go. Um, But the other thing about the multi-stemmed trees is that they don't grow quite as big as a standard. So perhaps in a smaller garden, that might be better. Mm. And But it's one of those trees, again, with, with multiple seasons interest, because in the spring it comes out with these beautiful, frothy little white blossoms. And the more mature versions are absolutely smothered. Um, I planted one this year in a small community project I was doing, and it is very small and it had a few on. Um, but they come out just before the foliage. And in that bottom picture, you can see the foliage coming out. It's kind of bronzy coloured. Yes. And then it goes beautiful green. And then in June, the blossom turns to a lovely red um, berries, which the birds love. So you've got an environmental aspect to it, feeding the songbirds. And then in the autumn, it starts to, sometimes if it's very dry, they go a bit earlier. But um, you can see that that bottom left picture the leaves have all gone red they go beautiful yellowy red and bright red so you've, you've got all of that interest oh, this is frank yeah. we sometimes all put too many plants shrubs etc in the garden not realizing how big things grow well that's a classic isn't it no, Guilty. Yeah, that, we Guilty. all do that we all do that Guilty. <laughs> 
I have to say now the, the the internet is an absolutely amazing place for knowledge because so many websites will put that size on they will put that final growing size but it is a bit arbitrary mm. um, I was saying before uh, before we broadcast my my friend that helped me on the show garden lives on London clay I live on um, uh, you know Berkshire sand and if we exchange plants we know that hers will take off like a rocket because her clay is so fertile and my plants will always be much shorter. So she gave me some miscanthus. Her miscanthus are up here and mine are here. <laughs> they're, they're almost like different plants and it's to do with the soil. So if you're on very fertile soil, you add 30% to the height. Um, mm. And this is Yonimus alata. Talking about, burning yes. bush. Burning bush, yeah. The bottom yeah. right shows these. It's probably not very clear, but it shows those little winged twigs yeah um and then it has these beautiful orange and red berries as well yeah which right. open out into like little almost like little parachutes it seems to me yeah i've got about um, four on my it's the first season so it's not <laughs> but it did give me it gave me that sort of color just not as not yes. quite grand as that but uh, lovely lovely thing in autumn beautiful uh, yeah. yeah it's lovely yeah lovely and uh i should we just talk briefly about some, some key uh, some just some key markers for for working with a smaller garden. Um, mm. You've mentioned a couple of important things, but what else? If you can create separation, whether it's through um, a trellis, as I did in the show garden, or through planting, that's really good because it helps you. You have a journey, or you can hide something that's not so pretty. Maybe you don't have a beautiful greenhouse. I don't. I would suggest that you don't, as somebody said, put too many different types of plants in. So restrict it. We were always taught that on our design course, restrict the number of plants, because it is yeah. like it's like being in a sweetie shop. I'm either going online shopping or going down to the garden centre and they're all presented in flower at their most tempting. So be strict with yourself and you can always add on later on. Um, so restrict your number of plants especially structural plants so things like um your sh evergreen shrubs or um even deciduous shrubs so be um yeah limit yourself at the beginning at the very least and then maybe with perennials i absolutely love all my perennials um one thing i discovered by accident this year well i had three plants that flowered all at the same time i don't think they should have done i had a campanula lactifolia that was flowering at the same time as geranium roseanne exactly the same color yeah. and i had verbena bonariensis which came into flower a bit early because of the weather and the three of them were all exactly the same color but they had different shapes and i tend to like to group things in color so either different shades of the same color or exactly the same color but different flower shapes so you've got a few spikes like agastache you've got a few spriggy things which are quite airy like the verbena um, and then you've got your creepers along the bottom. The uh, geranium was creeping along nicely. I love so, campanula, uh, cam campanula, what? campanula, whatever campanula. you want to say. Uh, <laughs> love it. It's so because it lasts for so long, and it just gives you that carpet yeah. of colour. Great for yeah. hiding for for uh, breaking up path the lines of straight paths. And things yes, like that. some of them are more spiky than the yeah. you get the carpatica ones, <laughs> and then you get the spiky ones which yeah. stand up like like um, aquilegia. Yeah. And always, to me, always keep, I hate to, to think that the garden, people are going to shut the curtains in November and open mm. them again mm. in 
in um, March. Yeah. Um, like, sadly, Gardener's World now has gone off, I think. Yeah, and yet some of the finest plants come out in winter. Yes, There's nothing yeah. blousy about mm. any of the winter plants, but mm. you look at mahonias, things like yeah. that, clematis. You can have yes. clematis in the garden now, 12 months of the year, That's no right. problem. Serosa, yeah. yeah. serosas look absolutely fabulous. They and, do. And um, so don't them. give up on the winter plants as well. No, and maybe focus on those immediately by your front door. Focus mm. on the winter plants, hellebores. I have yeah, and if if you've door. got a south-facing front door at the base mm. of the wall, how's mm. about Iris unguicularis? Oh, yeah, that, that's that lovely little, a gorgeous iris. Even the postman will be wondering what it is when he comes and <laughs> give post your letters. <laughs> but watch out for the slugs because they love the buds. Oh dear, yes. But also <laughs> smelling smelling plants like um is it stachyurus yeah. oh, has a lovely yeah. smell in the winter or yeah, what do they call it? Winter winter sweet. Um yeah, yeah winter box. sweet. Yeah, mm. um Christmas box, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So many of the winter flowering mm. plants are fragrant. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The verbena banana verbena bananciaris is uh, it's got a nice scent, hasn't it? Yes, um, it has. Just outside my yeah. uh, front gate, and the autumn used to be about chopping everything down and putting it away for the winter, and clearing up and not letting the slugs get them. Um. But we've discovered actually that there is so much more wildlife friendly to leave things. It might look a bit saggy, and you might have to cut things down if they've flopped. But if they're still standing, leave them there because you get goldfinches coming. I have goldfinches on my I can't remember what lots of perennials. Um, they come we in had goldfinches on Rudbeckia last year. Ah, they really enjoyed the seed heads of Rudbeckia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Love so yeah, that will bring the wildlife in, and it will it will give other wildlife somewhere to hide over the winter. And but earlier on, you said a pond. I've put yeah. a pond in. Yeah. Last October, actually, it was a bit mm-hmm. late, but we had a mm-hmm. two lovely days. So I put a pond in. It has been. Mm. fantastic this year no, whirligig beetles came in straight away and um they've been they're still tearing around at the moment and um, it doesn't have to be huge either no it can it actually d- just be a pot or a small dish yes absolutely um, water there's cup. something about water yeah yes. really i'm trying is. to get rid of my pond uh I, I, I got all the I fish can't. out and but i haven't managed to get the lining up yet because i've been busy doing other things and it's filled up again that, that much <laughs> rain <laughs> Give it a reprieve, right. perhaps. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or fill it if it's got water in rod, fill it up with soil. Put candelabra yes. primulas in or yes, something. Yes, yeah. yes, plants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, could do. Regersia, all the marvelous plants. Yeah, mm. yeah. Michelle, it's been really, really great, it and has. it's lovely to have just yeah. to sit around Thank and you. chat about gardening, isn't it, for an hour? I've, it's um, been very daunting to talk to two such experienced gardeners. So, well, uh, one and a half. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm experienced at Aww. failure. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And I hope Thank I hope everybody's enjoyed it. Oh, I'm sure they have. And, Definitely. Uh, okay. Well, Michelle, as I say, thank you very much indeed. And now, if people would like to know more about um, your business, do you want to point them in any direction? Or um, you... I have a website, very, very long name. It's Michelle MacDonald, GardenDesign.com. Well, um, and so MacDonald has an A in it. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, 
Um, it's michelle.mcdonald1, number okay. one. Yeah, it would be really nice to hear from anybody who'd be interested in getting in touch. All right, Michelle. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll we'll let you go. And uh, John and I will just finish off with a few jobs. But um, lovely. lovely to see you. And, yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll doubtless talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. Gosh, that would be lovely. Thank you very All much. Right. Nice to see you okay, again. Then. Okay, bye, Michelle. Bye, oh, that was great. It certainly was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah she, was saying, she was saying, oh, I'm quite nervous about this. I'm thinking, no, you'll be fine. And she absolutely no, was. Uh, yeah, okay. she's talking about a, a subject she loves, Rod, so you, you well, can just... the yeah. passion shines through, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. For all of us, it? I think. Yeah. Well, any particular jobs that we need to be mindful of? I did finally get around to feeding the lawn last week. <laughs> well, that's fine, Rod. You can feed. You can put. Well, you can put autumn food on a lawn right the way through winter. It all helps because it's not high nitrogen. You're yeah. feeding the roots, and you can feed the roots of uh, a lawn anytime. And Michelle said about cleaning the garden up. I do like um, to go through and tidy my shrubs up and tidy my herbaceous it's yeah. just something that um i do but some of those stems i'm quite happy to lay them down in the garden somewhere you know so that things can use them but if my garden's got to be tidy and wildlife doesn't care whether it's tidy or not so long as they've got what they want so all those hollow stems the spiders and things can still get in there. Yeah. Um, I even leave piles of leaves in places. Um, a hedgehog, when it actually hibernates, it just scrapes leaves into an area and c- keeps rolling round until it's packed tight round it, and then it can go to sleep in there. It's fascinating how it works. Yeah, just if you're doing a bit of tidying up, yeah, keep your edges on the lawn nice and tidy. I always think... Looks great at the moment with all the rain we've had. In the morning, I'll brush the lawn and then let the let it dry out that little bit, and then mow later. But not mowing too much now. But no. I still like my lawn to look smart. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, I noticed in the and I've not seen this before. You you, you can tell me if I've if it's been around for yonks, but I've not seen this before. But there is a winter feed now for the grass i can't remember which um company it was that does it it was one of the big ones and it's especially for keeping moss out and it also gives the the the, the lawn a, a bit of a feed across winter uh, i've never seen that before and i thought what a great idea yeah well i mean it'd be interesting to see what the specifications are on it compared to an autumn feed yeah, I but, thought that. I thought yeah, well, I've just given one it an the most Im- Yeah, one of the most important things is you don't give lots of nitrogen. Mm. And in spring, sulfate of ammonia was always, being as it's high nitrogen, uh, was always used to control moss because it yeah. burns the moss off. So, yeah. um, yes, you could use sulfate of ammonia in spring, but obviously you would never use it in autumn. In okay. Mm. Well, thanks, John. And uh, thank you also to our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. And for a free quote and advice on any project, go to their Facebook group, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. That's L-A-I-N-G. And uh, they'll send you a a free quote and free advice uh, for any project that you're considering. Now, next week, we've got another guest for you, Joe Bagley, a young fella who's something of a wizard with houseplants. So if you'd like to do better with your houseplants and pick up a few tips, do 
do join us either live on the Facebook group or subscribe to our Loving Your Garden podcast, which has been shortlisted, by the way, uh, for the annual Garden Media Guild Awards, which I'm truly chuffed about. Uh, We're up against some very stiff competition, so I'm not getting carried away, but it is nice to get a bit of recognition. So until next week, all the very best. Happy gardening. Happy gardening.